This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Welcome to the Pink Moon Murders, a production of iHeartRadio and Cavalry Audio. Episode 7, Roman Chariots and Calliopes. Because two generations of Wagners are accused of mass murder, with a third generation, the two great-grandmothers, charged with obstructing justice and perjury, and the alleged motive being custody of a fourth generation, I wanted to discover more about the family. I'd learned about Billy and Angela and their sons George and Jake, but what about the oldest generation? Who are they? What is their origin story? Frederica, Billy's mom, owns the most land in Pike County, approximately 1,800 acres. And she and her late husband, George Jr., nicknamed Bob, have had impressive businesses on that land. In the 1980s, they became famous for breeding miniature horses that won hundreds of awards all over the country. They even sold to the Sultan of Oman and kings of Spain and Morocco. Frederica and Bob, who were married for 56 years until his death in 2017, have also bred and sold Arabian horses, dressage horses, giant mastiff dogs, miniature cattle, tiny kune kune pigs from New Zealand, and other animals, both exotic and common. But how did they get to this level? Were they born with money? Did they earn it? Did they attain it illegally? In Southern Ohio, I asked several dozen people, and literally everyone told me the same story. Decades ago, Bob was importing horses from Mexico with drugs up their rectums. The first person who told me this was a pastor. But I also heard about this from cops, government officials, a librarian, bartenders, etc. Here's Brittany, the young woman who is friends with little Chris. I know that like they have horses or whatever, and they would send their horses like across the border with like drugs. That's how they made a lot of their money. And I spoke about it with Blaine Beekman, a longtime county commissioner, high school teacher, and former mayor of Waverly, the county seat. He met Frederica and Bob about 20 years ago when he was a director of the local Chamber of Commerce. It's just a rumor, you know, obviously I've never got that close to the horses and, uh, but that, that's, that's the rumor that's been flying. I've heard that from several people. Yeah. But, but again, I don't know anybody who ever lifted that tail up and jerked anything out of there. One of the many people working in veterinary medicine I interviewed gave specific details. This person knew a federal veterinarian named Bill Weissman from near Chillicothe, who worked on Wagner horses until the 1980s. One day when Dr. Weissman was with Bob, a pessary supposedly fell out of a mare. That pessary can be described as a vaginal suppository. It looked like a tube used to drive through banks to send money between drivers and tellers. Pessaries can be inserted into horse vaginas that are then partially sewn shut for long distance smuggling. Rectums cannot be partially sewn shut. But I should note that Dr. Weissman did not identify the contents of that pessary. According to my source, Dr. Weissman said Bob picked it up and walked away. And in my research at courthouses in Southern Ohio and Northeastern Kentucky, I didn't find any criminal records for Bob. I also heard from about 20 people that Frederica inherited a fortune from Procter & Gamble, the world's biggest consumer goods company which is based in Cincinnati. A woman who went to prom with Billy Wagner's older brother 
even told me Frederica descends from the Proctor family. But some people who've heard that story, including Commissioner Beekman, remain skeptical. Yeah, that's a rumor, but I don't know. I've never checked her family background. I don't know whether she's really connected to Procter & Gamble at Cincinnati. So I've heard both ends of the respectability spectrum for how they made their early money. Bob smuggling drugs inside horses and Frederica being a blue-blooded heiress. I cannot prove or disprove either theory, and Frederica did not respond to my request for an interview. But the longtime Flying W Farms insider told me that both theories are flat-out wrong. This person would not elaborate other than to say Frederica and Bob were both good, hard-working people. There were Mexicans who would occasionally bring horses to their farm, the insider said, but also plenty of Americans. After more than a year of studying court documents and news articles and interviewing people, I can definitely say that hard work, smart decisions, luck, strict business tactics, and savvy marketing helped the couple create their land and animal empire. They got married in 1960 when she was 18 and he was 26. Bob, whose legal name was George Washington Wagner Jr., was born in the small community of Haldeman in Rowan County, Kentucky, in 1934. His dad, who quit school in first grade, was a laborer working in a brickyard, and his mom, who completed eighth grade, was a homemaker. Bob was a fifth of 10 kids, and in 1940, according to the U.S. Census, the family was living in Menifee County, Kentucky, in a farmhouse valued at $1,200. That would be 23,000 in today's dollars. His dad was listed as having an income of zero dollars. That makes me think he left the brickyard job to become a farmer and needed time to develop his business. Eventually, the family moved up to Ohio and settled in a rural part of Claremont County on the east of Hamilton County, home of Cincinnati. They owned a 239-acre property with forest land and farmland off Bass Road, just outside the village of Bethel. A few people associated with the Bethel Historical Society and Museum knew Bob and his big family back then and told me they were dirt poor, as were most people. On Frederica and Bob's 1960 application for a marriage license, he stated he was a farmer. And in a classified ad that ran in the Cincinnati Enquirer two years later, he marketed himself as a blacksmith. He wrote, horses shod, etc., anytime, any place, all work guaranteed, experienced, all necessary equipment. That year, he also advertised the stud service of a Golden Palomino stallion that was a four-time winner at the Ohio State Fair. And in 1963, he advertised a stud fee for his permanent registered quarter horse stallion. By the mid-1960s, he and Frederica were working more with Arabian horses. A 1968 edition of Arabian Horse World magazine shows an ad with Mr. and Mrs. Bob Wagner selling one of the finest sires in the United States today. And in 1970, the Enquirer reported, quote, Ohio ranks second in the United States as to ownership of the Arabian horse. Cincinnati has in the immediate area several of the finest breeding establishments to be found in the Arabian division, end quote. Bob Wagner's family was one of the four mentioned. But Bob did more than just breed and trade horses. Here's Dr. Paul Carr, the veterinarian I spoke with earlier regarding the coon hounds near Roden Homes. For 35 years, he was one of the vets caring for Wagner animals. In a book, Frederica called him our equine doctor. He was like a cowboy. 
Bob was like a cowboy because he used to train horses and he could really ride a horse. Mm -hmm. He was a horseman. Did he compete? Do you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he raced, too. I heard that he did when he was younger. But he his big thing was breaking horses when he was younger. He was kind of rough with horses. You know, there's there's these these kind trainers with horses. And then there's these rough trainers. He was a rough trainer. I was with him one time, and there was a bunch of horses, uh, miniature horses in this. He, he would have, they had bunches of horses, you know, maybe 30 or 40 horses around. And this mare was delivering a foal, and she had a dead foal hanging out the back of her. And that was really strange. And he just went up and, and pulled it out. And uh, they didn't seem to care. They just went right on. Bob's highest level of education was eighth grade or less, according to his death certificate and several people told me he could not read or write. A lady working at the Pike County Government Center said her dad was a farmer who sold grain to Flying W Farms, and Bob could not write a check. Her dad had to fill out Bob's checks that Bob then signed. Dr. Carr also had some unusual situations collecting payment from Bob. One day after working on Wagner Animals, he walked into Frederica and Bob's house and sat down in their huge trophy room. Bob left and returned a moment later. Bob came in one time with some silver-handled pistols one time. He was laughing about it. He said, I went in to get paid, and he said that he stuck those pistols down on the table. He says, now this, make it sure that this less money, you know, get that bill low. He was kind of teasing, but then again. So while Bob focused on horses and other farm activities, Frederica has focused on business. Among her specialties are sales, marketing, and negotiating real estate deals and land installment contracts. She's also a devout Christian who reads the Bible, attends church a couple of days a week, and has taught Sunday school most of her life. Frederica Carol Jacobs was born in 1942 in Cincinnati, according to their marriage application, and grew up in the village of Bethel in Claremont County. Bethel has always been largely rural. In the 1940s, it had fewer than 2,000 residents, and today it has just a thousand more. A century before her birth, Ulysses S. Grant, the future president, grew up in the area. His dad was the mayor of Bethel and owned a tannery. According to the 1940 U.S. Census, Frederica's parents, whose highest level of education was eighth grade, owned a farmhouse in Bethel valued at $3,000. Her dad's occupation was recorded as farmer on the family's own land, and his income that year was $0. But in the column for Income Other Sources was written the word, yes. It doesn't say what or how much that source of income was. From a long-retired postman who used to deliver mail to Frederica and Bob, I learned that at some point her dad made and sold keys on Fountain Square in downtown Cincinnati. On the census, a line was drawn through the box for Frederica's mom's occupation. She was a homemaker with three young kids in 1940, with more to come, and I'm sure she helped with farming chores. Years later, she raised and sold dogs, the longtime Flying W Farms insider told me. Frederica graduated from Bethel Tate High School in 1960. From her final yearbook, I learned Freddie was a vice president her junior year in the Honor Society junior and senior years and on the scholarship team. Freddie and another girl were sponsored by the American Legion to travel to Columbus as dramatic correspondents to learn about government operations. And as class historian, 
she wrote in the yearbook a full-page summary of their four years. Next to her senior year photograph, she stated her ambition was to be a good wife and mother. Another nugget I dug up from her early days is that 1959, at the age of 17, the car she was driving on State Route 222 was hit by a man named Ernst Berger. Frederica sued him for personal injuries, and in 1961 they settled with her receiving $500. I found that record while skimming journals at the Brown County Administration Building near the Municipal Courthouse. Records were handwritten in cursive and alphabetized by names with subgroups, like from WA to WD. It took me a few seconds to remember some cursive letters, including the capital Q that looks like a fancy numeral two. Also when she was 17, she met Bob. She had just gotten a horse, according to the longtime Flying W Farms insider, and Bob, who lived nearby, was hired to teach her how to ride. They soon fell in love and got married. Mike Fancher, who's chairman of the trustees at the Bethel Historical Society and Museum, also provided me with a lot of information about the Wagner's early days, including his personal knowledge of them and their properties, as well as Frederica's high school yearbook and old clips from the Bethel Journal newspaper. The newspaper ran engagement and wedding announcements that said the ceremony took place on December 30th, 1960, at Bethel Methodist Church. Frederica looked beautiful in a classic white gown with her long veil pushed back for the photo. She had the curly blonde hair, as well as nose, eyes, and smile of a young Betty Davis, the iconic Hollywood actress. And Bob was handsome in his black tuxedo with white boutonniere. He had a chiseled, masculine face and meaty hands from a lifetime of manual labor. He was slender and with short, wavy black hair, he reminded me of Tyrone Power, another movie star from Hollywood's golden age. Then throughout their 56 years together, they remained deeply in love, Dr. Carr and others told me. Even though Bob could be gruff and Frederica could be strict, they remained sweet with each other. Dr. Carr said Frederica always had a twinkle in her eyes when she looked at Bob, her big, strong, and loving cowboy of a husband. Marsha Collier, with the Claremont County Recorder's Office, helped me research and understand land records. I was curious where the young couple lived, but we couldn't find a deed or mortgage documents around the time of their wedding. From their ex-postman, however, who's now 93, I learned that Frederica and Bob moved in with her mom. They also built a barn and raised horses on her mom's 69 acres off Campbell Road. Her dad was deceased by then. Despite living there, the newlyweds quickly acquired a stunning 252-acre property in neighboring Brown County. Bob got married pretty old for the time, at 26, so he had several years to save up. And she might have had money, too, although on their marriage application, a line was drawn across the space for her occupation. All I know is that right around their wedding, they paid $5,200 down on that property that was valued at $24,200. Adjusted for inflation, that would be a $45,000 down payment today. The deed was transferred on February 1st, 1961, launching the Wagner's land and animal empire. The Pink Moon Murders will return after the break. And now, back to the Pink Moon Murders. In October 2020, three ladies in the recorder's office at the Brown County Administration Building helped me search old journals, maps, and online records. Denise Leggett showed me the deed for that 252-acre property, as well as mortgage records, and helped me understand them. The Wagners mortgaged the $19,000 principal at 6% interest. 
The loan was through R.K. Salisbury and Louise Gladding, who sold them the property. Denise said Salisbury and Gladding might have had a relationship with Frederick and Bob to create this type of land contract whereby the sellers act as the bank. In June 1963, Frederick and Bob sold 192 of the 252 acres to a Cincinnati family for $24,000. Denise and her colleagues searched but could not find out what happened to the remaining 60 acres. Records from back then are not always clear. Classified ads in newspapers, reports in magazines, birth certificates of their two oldest children, the telephone directory, and deeds while acquiring other properties all show Frederica and Bob being at her mom's Campbell Road address until 1969, so that 252-acre property in Brown County might have mainly been an investment. Anyhow, the next eight Wagner land records I came across are in or near Bethel. The first was for a 114-acre property they purchased in 1963 and sold later that year. The second was signed on April 21, 1966, exactly 50 years before the Roden murders. Frederica and Bob bought the farmhouse and 69 acres of her mom, who would die four years later. Marsha Collier helped me understand they paid about $32,000 with a mortgage of only $13,000. And they sold it three years later for $83,000 to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which was developing East Fork State Park and Wildlife Area. Frederick and Bob made a pretty penny off that sale to the federal government. In 1968, they bought another home on Campbell Road with 31 acres and sold it two years later. 1969 was a bigger year. They purchased two magnificent properties. The first had almost 200 acres, but records show they owned it for only a few months. A Cincinnati Enquirer ad described it as 194 of the most beautiful acres in Claremont County. It had scenic rolling hills for pastures and growing hay, tobacco, and corn, as well as a pond, springs, and three barns. The jewel was its 10-room colonial house with cherry woodwork and a fireplace in every room. And there was a second house with four rooms. At the end, the ad says it would be ideal for horses, cattle, summer camp, or country club. Endless potential for sale by owner. I'm not sure what the Wagners did for a down payment when they bought it, but they took out a $35,000 mortgage, and I couldn't find out how much they sold it for. The days I was researching that, I was back in Florida, and Marsha was quarantining at home after her husband had tested positive for COVID-19. But the Wagners were asking for $100,000. Adjusted to today, that's $715,000. Their second magnificent 1969 purchase was a ranch with 84 acres that, with the addition of a small lot and subtraction of four acres, they owned until 1976. The Wagners lived there those years, said the retired postman, and it was during this time that Billy was born. Although, as I mentioned last episode, he was born in Dayton for some reason. Right before they auctioned off that land, they advertised it in Cincinnati, Louisville, and Indianapolis newspapers. They described it as a private estate in the countryside close to the big city. The farm included a southern colonial mansion with pillared front porch and matching veranda, as well as six bedrooms, a kitchen, five other rooms, three bathrooms, and two fireplaces. A kidney-shaped pool adjoined the mansion. And a second house had three bedrooms, etc. There was also a stable with two arenas, 60 stalls, and a lounge, and a barn, a dog kennel, and a three-acre lake. It was an ideal place to raise a family. 
Today, the property is known as Poplar Creek Horse Center, and it focuses on thoroughbred breeding, boarding, and foaling. It also has a bed and breakfast. Marsha Collier dug up three final properties involving the Wagners in Claremont County. The first had 24 acres they bought in January 1972 and flipped later that year. And the other two were lots on Osborne Street that they bought in 1973 and sold in 1979. By 1976, the Wagners were firmly planted in Pike County. They had moved their miniature horses and other animals to what is now Flying W Farms in Camp Creek and Newton Townships, with its main entrance 11 road miles southwest of Piketon. They released the animals to graze, rented out their cropland to local farmers, and offered, on the farm's perimeter, land installment contracts to people who dreamed of owning slices of heaven in the Appalachian foothills, trailers not included. Over the next 45 years, in their names and through trusts they've controlled, plus White Pines Realty, a corporation they own, the Wagners have filed around 600 land records, many being installment contracts. A good percentage of the tenants have not qualified for conventional mortgages, so their housing opportunities have been limited. A land installment contract, think of it as rent to own or seller financing, seems better than wasting money on rent month after month for decades. A land contract offers hope, and some of the tenants actually have paid off their loans. But over the years, the Wagners have sued to evict several who did not make timely payments. Interestingly, a land contract is how the Wagners acquired the bulk of Flying W. With an official in the Pike County Recorder's Office, I went through old deed and mortgage journals. I learned the Connolly family had sold the largest parcel, with 1,483 acres, to the Wagners in April 1978 for $610,000. The Wagners financed $478,000 through the Connollys, leading the official to believe the Wagners made a $132,000 down payment or $527,000 in today's dollars. The Connollys, who made their money owning coal mines in Kentucky, served as the Wagner's bank in the steel. Then a couple of years later, the Wagner's refinanced with Federal Land Bank of Louisville, and they paid off that mortgage in 2005. The Wagner's land empire has been complex. Not all agreements are public, and it would be extremely time-consuming to study them regardless, not to mention the notes handwritten in the margins of some deeds. So it's hard to give a precise summary of everything. I don't even understand the Wagners and Connolly's agreement for the property from 1975 or 76 to 1978. But I will say that at the recorder's office, I met a real estate attorney who was researching properties. I asked if he'd ever worked with the Wagners, and he said no. But he added that after they were arrested, he became curious about their properties, so he looked up what was publicly available. He concluded the Wagners seemed quite normal with their land contracts including occasionally needing to evict tenants and raise prices. The Wagners also added a nonprofit and a church to their domain. In the middle of Flying W Farms stands Crystal Springs Home, which the family founded in 1986. According to the Cincinnati Enquirer, Frederica has been the group home's executive director for many years and in 2016 earned $52,000 for running it. Quote, the nonprofit also paid Wagner $15,000 in rent in 2017, IRS documents show, end quote. Four developmentally disabled adults were living there. And near the group home is a church named Lucasville Mission. It was founded by a different family in 1959, but by 1997, Frederica and Bob appeared on state records. It's a church where Frederica prays and teaches Sunday school. 
The main road into Flying W Farms is usually blocked by two iron gates, each adorned with the farm's logo, a W with wings. But once you get through the entrance, you drive up a hill while winding through a patch of woods. At the top, you find a luxurious 3,000 square foot Cape Cod house, as well as stables, barns, and other outbuildings. And as you continue, you pass fields where crops grow and horses graze. I came across a 1978 photo of Frederica and Bob riding horses with their three kids. Actually, the young Billy is on a pony. Bob's a doppelganger for the rugged Marlboro Man, complete with jeans, a button-down shirt, boots, and a curved brim cowboy hat. The Wagners and Flying W Farms make me think of the Ewings and South Fork Ranch from the TV series Dallas. But besides being in different states, the real ranch the fictional South Fork was based on has only a couple of hundred acres and the Wagner's alleged crimes blew away the Ewings. In addition to land deals and renting out fields for corn and soybean crops, Frederica and Bob grew their animal business with the kids helping. They started with horses, Shetland ponies, and other livestock, but they hit it big with miniature horses. In 1985, reported the Chillicothe Gazette, the Wagner's owned, quote, one of the largest collections of registered miniature horses in the world, numbering over 200 head there are only 3,000 registered miniature horses worldwide, end quote. That year, Frederica explained minis to a Dayton newspaper. They're the hottest thing going now. Everybody likes them. She added, a lot of people are intimidated by horses. Miniature horses are so small, they can't hurt you. Flying W's success with breeding the cute little equines led to winning awards at shows all over the country, and it drew national print and TV coverage including on the popular news and entertainment program, PM Magazine. All this led to big business. Frederica said they sold their cheapest minis for $5,000, which is more than $12,000 today. The kings of Spain and Morocco paid premiums for their prized miniatures. And one of the Wagner's sales is epic. Here's Dr. Carr. They sold a, a stallion to the Sultan uh, of Oman, and uh, I did the blood work on it to send it to... Uh, they took it to England, and they flew it from England to Oman. It was a birthday present. He said the Sultan's jet was waiting at London Heathrow Airport, and officials were calling him to speed up because the miniature horse was its only cargo. So business was great for the Wagners. But suddenly, tragedy hit. One night in 1986, a barn fire killed 22 of their minis, including nine pregnant mares and the legendary Blue Boy. Blue Boy had been a grand champion at countless shows throughout the United States and sired several champions. Standing only 30 inches high at the bottom of his mane, he was famous for his beautiful head and eyes and his show ring presence, among other traits. Frederica said she was devastated emotionally and hurt financially. She and Bob blamed the electric company for bad wiring and sued for $5.16 million, according to news reports. I couldn't find the result of the lawsuit, so I checked with the Pike County Clerk of Court's office. An employee there dug up a 1989 stipulation of dismissal, stating the two parties had settled, but the terms were not reported. More Pink Moon murders after a word from our sponsors. We now return to the Pink Moon murders. The Wagners didn't regain their high stature among the world's breeders of miniature horses. We were number one, Frederica told a reporter back then. When you step out of that position and let someone else in, it's hard to get back on top. But they have remained active in the trade, 
you can still buy minis from them. The Wagners expanded to breed tiny sheep, cattle, and pigs. In 1989, Frederica told a newspaper that she'd sold a female Vietnamese pot-bellied pig for $35,000, $74,000 when adjusted for inflation. For one pig, she said about selling exotic animals, it's a lot better than the stock market and a lot safer. For years, they've also sold little kune kune pigs originally from New Zealand. The Wagners market them as amazingly gentle with a cheery outlook on life. Their website says, these pigs look like a Walt Disney cartoon version of a pig with a teddy bear face, and they come when called. By the early 1990s, Flying W had a herd of 33 miniature sheep. The Wagners jointly told a reporter, they look just like those stuffed tiny lambs displayed in toy stores at Easter time. And they've bred and sold many zebus, which started as regular sized cattle in Sri Lanka. But they also went in the opposite direction by breeding giants, including a dog that became known as the American Mastiff. Dr. Carr told me they had a stud that weighed about 250 pounds. When he stood on his hind legs, he towered over people. Frederica created that breed. Bob created the Georgian Grande, a giant that mixes Frisian and other draft horses with saddlebreds, which are elegant, high-stepping show horses. He wanted a breed that resembles cavalry horses from the past. They're also good for dressage. That's an equestrian art that became an Olympic sport. It requires training, grace, and athletic ability of the highest form. At their peak, when Bob was still alive, Georgian Grandes won numerous dressage competitions. This includes at the prestigious Dressage at Devon, which takes place annually in Pennsylvania. Melanie Sawyer, a chairperson with the organization, told me the Wagner sponsored the Georgian Grande International Breed Class for several years. Frederica had established a registry for those horses that they bred. So those horses were eligible to come and compete in this breed-restricted class at the show. So the Wagner sponsored that for a number of years. They also um, donated a huge trophy to the winner of that class. It was the George Wagner Perpetual Trophy. Other horse breeds still available for sale on the Wagner's farm include purebreed Frisians, Gypsy Vanners, and Gypsy Cobbs. They've also kept animals found at zoos. A former neighbor told me a monkey ran through her front yard one day, and Frederica called hours later asking if she'd seen it. Another former neighbor told me a wild story about a young Billy driving a semi to California to pick up a giraffe for Flying W Farms. Along the way, he stopped in Las Vegas, blew the $1,800 his dad had given him, and had to call home to get more. And peacocks roam free on their land. The Wagner's animal husbandry of giants and miniatures has filled business niches, but it also gave them joy. Besides taking pride in winning awards all over the country, the whole family could simply have fun with them. Bob was often gruff, and Frederica is strict as a business person and as a Christian, but there were times when they could let loose. Here's Dr. Carr describing an episode from decades ago. I went up there one time to take some blood from horses or whatever I was doing. And I noticed that uh, in the back of the Wagner's, they had a big yard there. 
and, and, he, and Bob was on a chair, little chariot being pulled by about four miniature horses and they were dragging him around this field and, and he had a helmet on, like a Roman helmet and a sword. Frederica and their kids were watching and cracking up. Dad was being silly. And he stopped, he said, hey doc, come on over, see if you could do, like to ride these. So I got on the chariot and I, I didn't put the hat on, but I, I had the sword, he gave me the sword and we started going around. The Wagners also had a calliope and a little cart that miniature horses pulled. Dr. Carr saw this at the Scioto County Fairgrounds long ago. Calliopes are those old musical instruments in which the sound comes out pipes. They were popular a century ago with traveling circuses. And they said that the Wagners were here, and I think there was about eight or maybe maybe uh, ten of these miniature horses pulling this calliope. And it was a real loud circus music and... Uh, and here they came in, and they're all flying through there, and they go around the track, and they came back, and it was really fast. And it makes that music like, you know, like the uh, Ringling Brothers music. But that calliope was amazing. I mean, it was shocking. It was a real, everybody was all excited and clapping, and you know, it was a, a big deal. The Wagners took their miniature horse-drawn calliope to shows around the country as a fun sales tool. Now, all these years later, I'm picturing their kids, including Billy, as youngsters on a tiny cart while galloping around a track as Calliope music blared and spectators cheered. It had to be a blast. So this is the environment Billy grew up in. He was born into wealth and comfort to loving but strict parents. And his sons, George IV and Jake, years later grew up near Grandma and Grandpa's Flying W Farms, visiting it frequently. That's what makes the transition to mass murderers alleged, so difficult to understand. They all had golden lives with potential to inherit a fortune. Why would they jeopardize that? And as mom slash grandma Frederica must have taught them, murder breaks the first of the Bible's Ten Commandments. It's the ultimate sin, times eight. Frederica and Bob achieved the American dream of starting businesses from scratch and reaching high levels while also raising children. He's now gone, but their journey through life was fantastic. Would she really risk all that to cover up heinous crimes and sins? Maybe she didn't. Maybe all of this is another of the investigator's theories that will fall apart. One of the richest families in the county, wiping out one of the poorest, is shocking. But is that really what happened? Why are authorities so sure the Wagners are guilty? Pink Moon Murders is a Cavalry audio production in association with iHeartRadio. Written and narrated by David Ratterman. Produced by Brandon Morgan of Cavalry Audio and Casey Wayland for Wayland Productions. Edited by Tim Mulhern. Executive produced by Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger.